Hey gang, resurrecting our freedom. We're back. We're back. And today is freaking amazing. You want to pay attention to this. It's going to shift your mindset, not just about stuff of what you already know, but stuff you don't know that we need to share all over this country because, by the way, I'm Dr. Fred, Dr. Doug. He's the good looking one. I'm just hanging out here. So you know how we do this, man. The whole reason we have resurrecting our freedom is all about our God-given human and constitutional rights. So let's start with the Constitution. Here's a preamble. Ready? You guys know this one. Let's say it together. We the people. Thank you. That's us. You know, we the people, did we forget that the government is limited? I think they work for us. They think they can suppress us, and we think we need to take charge back of the United States in order to form a more perfect Union. Wow, that got thrown out the window. Establish justice. I just flew on Delta Airlines. I don't know if I was back in World War II in Germany or not, but there were some flight attendants that uh, should have had a swastika sticker on them about masks. Ensure domestic tranquility. Let's see, we just had a mother thrown in jail for going to Sprouts and not having a mask. By the way, she was shamed in jail 22 hours overnight in jail for an as severe asthmatic not wearing a mask in orange mother's, mothers yeah that's what i said mothers right Pro ensure domestic tranquility is that what it is provide for the common defense is that our defense i don't think we're being defended promote the general welfare you know we can't let's not even talk about unemployment let alone they're already telling us the second wave is going to be big another lockdown coming secure the blessings of liberty Liberty, I think, is synonymous with freedom. Yeah, that's gone. See ya. To ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution. Which one? This one of the United, let's get back to United States of America. So, so that's where we, we are today. Just a, few, just a quick glimpse. And we're very excited to have you on with us, Dr. Jeff. Uh, Dr. Barkey, how are you? Thank you for being on the podcast. I've seen you in numerous times. You've met with my friends, and uh, you are an outstanding spokesman, spokesman for the truth. You're intelligent, and I like your hairdo because it's similar to mine, so we love that. But on, an, on a serious note, though, there is a lot of mistruths going on, and a thank you for being a guest. So we can share some freedom with people by enlightening them and getting them excited so they can get rid of some of this draconian, really, measures which are actually hurting people and killing people, and suicidality and alcoholism and drug abuse, all that's going on for this pandemic. So with that, welcome to our podcast, Dr. Barkey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love it that you guys start with a little reading from the U.S. Constitution. You know, last time I checked, and correct me if I'm wrong, because everything in 2020 seems wrong, but I thought that Constitution was not designed to limit we the people, but was designed to limit the federal government. Correct. Now, that's what I thought, but we seem to have things backwards now, where all these restrictions on our liberty, First Amendment, Second Amendment, of course, is being restricted and we're being told what we can't do, like exercise our First Amendment rights to worship, go to church. Uh, so we're told we can't do that for some reason. But recently I too was on an airplane. I 
flew to Washington, D.C., where my son lives. And uh, we were crowded on an airplane, required to wear a mask. I complied. And I'm looking on this airplane filled with mask-wearing people. Not many seats were empty. And I'm looking there wondering, how is this any different than people sitting and praying in a church or a synagogue? How is that any different? And why is it okay for us to crowd into an airplane and fly in a little tube across the country for five hours, but I can't sit for an hour or an hour and a half or two in a church and exercise my First Amendment right to exercise my freedom of religion. So I don't understand that. And I think we have had enough of sitting at home, watching on TV, these very unviolent protests of people getting beat up, of bricks being thrown through windows, of stores being looted. We're being told that that's okay and actually safe behavior, but somehow we're told we can gather in person to protest, but we can't gather in person to worship. And God forbid we should gather in person to cast our fundamental right to vote. We can't do that. But we can gather together in person to protest that we can't gather in person to vote. Saw that. So I'm confused. Maybe you guys, I'm not smart enough. <laughs> Maybe you guys can shed some light because I don't really know what's going on here other than I feel like the American way of life is slipping and we're allowing it to slip because we're just told it's only a mask. Come on, it's just a mask. It's only a couple weeks to flatten the curve. Shut up and stay inside your house. I don't care if your business fails. The government will give you money. Big mama from the government will provide for you, just like government wants to keep everybody dependent, unfortunately. So just shut up and comply. It's for your own good. But then we see the science and the statistics. So we see that children are relatively immune from this virus, so they, they can get infected, but either they have no symptoms or they have mild symptoms. You know, in Orange County, you can count on one hand. You don't even need a hand. There's been no deaths of children in Orange County from COVID-19. Mm -hmm. If you look at the statistics, there's deaths every year from influenza. So if influenza kills children, but COVID doesn't kill children, am I crazy or is influenza a greater risk for kids than COVID-19? And if that's the case, why don't we ever require a child to wear a mask during influenza season? If it's more severe and more serious than COVID, why don't we do that? How can we've never closed schools because of influenza season, but we're telling the public and parents that you gotta stay home and not go to work because it's too dangerous for the children. We also know, by the way, that children don't really spread this to adults. World Health Organization told, that, told us that. There was a study out of Germany. I think they surveyed over 2,000 kids and teachers because in Europe, schools have been open now for a while. And they discovered not only do kids not really get the disease when they do, it's really mild, but there's no evidence that kids spread this disease to adults. And if we really care about adults, why don't we just protect the, the, the adults? Why are we punishing the kids to try to protect a handful of adults? 
mean, if we really were cared, if we really cared about the teachers, we'd be worried about the teacher's lounge where an adult could spread it to an adult. I don't know, maybe we'd put a face shield of sorts on a teacher or put them behind some plexiglass if we were really worried, but we're not doing that. Instead, we're saying, if you go back to school, we need to put face coverings on a child. Now, my kids are older. I don't know if you guys have kids, but there's no way when my kid was a first grader or second grader, he or she were ever gonna keep a mask on. They'd be playing with that thing. They'd be sharing it with their friends. They'd be shooting that thing across the room like a slingshot. Not only so is it just not like effective, you, in other words. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think you could argue, and I do, that a face covering on a child is harmful. So it's harmful in a whole variety of ways. It increases anxiety. Hell, I'm anxious whenever I have to wear a mask. It's, I don't like it. Um, and, I, and I'm an adult. So my, my wife doesn't necessarily think I'm an adult. So it increases anxiety in kids. It creates learning disorders in kids. The most important bond of a child with their teacher is interfered with because you can't see facial expressions. It just, it's a terrible thing. I'd go so far as saying it's a form of abuse to require a young child to wear a face covering. Um, if it were me, I don't have young kids, so I know it's easier for me to say, but if I did, I would not send my kids to a school that required them to wear a face covering, period. I would find some other way to do it. I would homeschool. I'd send them to a private school if I could afford it. I'd find a good charter school if there's one available that, um, that uh, understood this. So I, I think we are, I think we've gone insane in this country. I really do. And uh, I'm confident though that on November 4th, this whole COVID chaos is likely going to dissipate and will no longer be front page news. I hope so. That's what I think anyways. So, what do you guys think? I, I think you're right. And I also know that you know that there's a good school that you're a part of that people can uh, look up and they can look you up and figure that out. Uh, but my question to you is, where do you think this whole medical science got so sideways? Like what happened? Because obviously you just listed out about five truths that make zero sense. So there's no rational understanding of what is going on. There's no science and uh, there's no basis in science for it. So Dr. Barkey, where did, what happened? What went wrong? How do these supposedly experts like the Burks and the uh, Fauci's, how do they have one set of paradigms when the rest of the scientific community, community things like you do and things like we do? What, where's, the, where's the disconnect? You know, here, here's what I think happened, first of all. I think there's a, there's a natural bias in many to want to perpetuate fear and chaos for a variety of reasons. In one, they think, and I think rightfully so, that the more the chaos there is, the more our economy is shut down and our economics is bad, um, the worse it is for our President Trump's reelection. And I think there's part of it. Now, nobody's gonna admit that publicly, but I think there's some bias involved to lean in that direction to make sure that there's chaos and fear because many people, especially in the media, want nothing more at any expense than to see President Trump um, unelected. I remember watching, um, what's that late night guy's name uh, on, on, on cable? Uh, it's not Stephen Colbert. It's uh, Bill, Bill Meyer. Bill Mayer? Meyer. Yeah. Mayer. Uh, anyways, yeah. I remember him saying that if we need to have a recession, 
in order to, to, to unelect President Trump, so be it. Meaning he'll take the pain of individuals being harmed if it means that the president won't get reelected. So I think there's part of that. The other part of it is it's, it's natural for specialists to overplay their hand because they think that their lane can be, um, uh, can be opened up and, and uh, have more of an effect outside their area of specialty. So, you know, President Trump, when he first started having these uh, press conferences about COVID-19, we had Dr. Fauci, Dr. Bricks, and they were kind of leading. And unfortunately, I don't think that was a good thing. And the people that should lead are the statesmen that are making political decisions that affect the country, not the specialists. I heard this described once by Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. Uh, my son attended there and we helped with the fundraising. They built a beautiful on-campus chapel, the largest chapel on a campus in the United States. It's called Christ Chapel. And we were there for the opening, uh, uh, Chief Justice, not Chief Justice, but um, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas spoke. Anyways, it's a cool event. But so Larry Arn talks about that. And he, he, he gives the analogy of COVID. And he says, you know, we built this chapel and we have one of the best architects in the country, if not the world, who designed it and helped with the construction. So we've got a lot of specialists involved in the chapel too. We got the brick guy, we got the drywall guy, we got the person who's laying the marble. Uh, we've got the person in charge of the beautiful chandeliers and the, and, the, and the organs and so forth. And he said, so those specialists are important, but you would never ask the brick guy to lead a press conference about the construction of the chapel. You would never do that. So you would have the architect or the general contractor they would get input from all the specialists and then they would speak to the media about the ongoing construction of the chapel. Similarly, we should have the citizen statesmen, the politicians that are elected by the people that are making decisions on behalf of the country. Those should be the spokespeople. And then the experts will give input to those spokespeople, but they shouldn't be the ones that are leading this and on, and on camera. So, when President Trump calls me and asks my opinion, I'm gonna suggest that it should be Vice President Pence and Ben Carson who should be the leading spokespeople. Then you can have Fauci and the like who talk to them and give them input. That's synthesized and integrated with all the inputs. And then you have Dr. Carson and you have Vice President Pence who speak to the public and say, based on all these expert opinions and all this input, We've gathered that together and we think this is the best path forward. So we've kind of put the cart before the horse, if you will. And I think that's where we went far downstream from where we should have been. And Fauci and company believe that their opinion could be generalized into political statements and decision-making. So when Fauci weighs in, for example, on whether sports should be open or closed, he has no expertise. He should not be talking about things like that. And when he goes outside of his lane and speculates about this, that, or the other, it's not his role to do that, nor does he have expertise, but yet he's presented as if he's the leading expert and the spokesperson for we, the people, in making these political decisions. And I think that's where we went wrong. 
Well, there's two things, and I agree with you a thousand percent. That's like Dr. Bill Gates making recommendations on vaccinations, A. <laughs> Number right. two, if you're going to ask the bricklayer what the, what the cathedral, what the church should look like, everything looks like bricks. He's not yeah. going to have the marble guy. You have brick walls, brick floors, brick ceilings, brick everything because he can make money, and that's where Fauci and Gates – are invested in Moderna making the vaccination. There's, I guess, I think there's uh, 80 potential vaccinations that are trying to be studied right now. But why do they? Why do they only push one, which is the most dangerous RNA vaccination, right? From Moderna. Well, he's invested in it. By the way, that's a uh, that's a violation of the Sherman Act, which is treason which is punishable by death or life imprisonment. Oh my God. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I don't know about the motives and the financial motives. There may be something there, but I do know that, um, yeah, that we're, we're, we're not leading the right way. And I'm not anti-vax, by the way. I don't really have a problem with vaccinations. What I am anti though, is I'm anti the government mandating medical procedures for any patient. I'm part of a, organization that I recently joined called Physicians for Informed Consent. Mm. And, um, and, and that's really what, what we believe. We're not saying vaccinations are bad. What we're saying is patients should have informed consent. They should understand what are the benefits, and there are some, and they should understand what are the risks, and they are real. And then they should make an informed decision. I don't like the idea of anything being mandated, including vaccinations for school children. It's not to say I don't think it's a good idea. I think it is a good idea, but it's never a good idea for the government to mandate these things, especially things that potentially have downside. And, you know, a few years back, actually, it's been a while, vaccine companies became exempt from lawsuits. And the intention behind it, I get, there was some good intention. Vaccines are good. We wanted to put them out. We wanted to make them inexpensive. We didn't want vaccination companies to be battling lawsuit after lawsuit, which potentially could create a shortage of vaccinations and not have them available. But I get all that. So there may have been some good motivations behind it. But the result was vaccination companies now are not accountable. So if you get harmed by a vaccination, for example, you can't sue the vaccination company. What you can do is you can apply to a uh, I don't know what the right name is, but it's like a big trust fund mm -hmm. that is set up to compensate people that have been harmed by vaccination. Most parents and kids and adults don't even know this. And if there is harm, they just sort of suck it up and they, they don't think there's any repercussions. But you can apply to this vaccination trust. That's not the right name, but you get the idea. And if it's found that you were harmed by a vaccination, you can get compensated monetarily, but you can't go after the vaccine company because they're exempt. I don't think that's right. I don't think anybody that puts out a medical product um, or any product for that matter should be exempt from potential repercussions if somebody is harmed by your product. And that's the way it is now. And I can't remember the name of that law, but that law should be overturned um, because otherwise what, what motivation does the vaccination company have to make sure 100% or as close as possible that their product is safe if they know there is no liability for coming up with a potentially unsafe product. 
And as far as the COVID vaccination, I'm not opposed to it, but the, the caution is we've never seen a vaccination created within months as opposed to years. Normally it takes a whole bunch of years and lots and lots of testing and trial and error. But here we are, we have pharmaceutical companies working at breakneck speed to develop the next vaccination. I think most of them genuinely want to put a product on the market that is safe and helpful. I think they do believe that they want to contribute to uh, improving the health and helping people. But at the same token, there's also financial incentives to get this product on market. There's a boatload of money that's gonna be made by somebody that's first to market with a vaccination that the government endorses with all the patent protections and so forth that'll come into play. So it worries me, and I don't know that this will be a thing, but it could be that the government may come out with a mandate for vaccinations with a vaccination that was quick to market that hasn't been fully vetted over years to see what potential side effects and so forth um, are, are available and will be caused that we may not know for a while after somebody donates their arm to get a vaccination. One of those vaccinations I was reading about, and um, I'm not enough of a, of a vaccination science wonk to explain this clearly, but there's some sort of a vaccination that actually changes your genetics to make you, to make you resistant to, to the virus. And that, that makes me a little worried too, if there's some vaccination that is gonna alter your genetics to make you less susceptible. So I'm a little bit dubious about, about this particular vaccination, and I'm absolutely against the government mandating that any person have a medical procedure or vaccination. So nice. the, the, I applaud you for that, by the way. Thank you, that's amazing. I think we're all on the same side with that. Um, when the government dictates what kind of chemical you're gonna put into your arm, uh, regardless of informed consent, I think we're on a slippery slope to all kinds of very egregious kinds of procedures. And um, that goes against everything in my personality to feel like we're okay with that. But I do believe uh, in the case for herd immunity that don't you think that that's part of what this whole mandate is going towards, that we need to put chemicals into people so we can create this chemically induced herd immunity. Well, I, I do think that, but um, I think we're getting closer to herd immunity without chemicals in our body. And so we're seeing evidence of that in New York, for example. So re remember, oh, it's been three or four weeks, maybe a little bit longer when we were told that there's a second wave of coronavirus that's, a, that's afflicting many of the, of the states like California, where we had all these cases suddenly occur uh, and we're told this was the second wave. Well, the reality is it wasn't the second wave in California, it was the first wave. Because early on in coronavirus, our, um, our imperial leader um, shut down the economy. So he shut down every retail store, except of course, marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores. Thank God for that. Uh, but every other store was shut down. And so we really didn't have much as in the way of cases of the virus. But then as our businesses opened up, it was, of course we were going to see cases because people were exposed. There should have been no surprise. So we saw increased cases along with increased testing. That's why we saw increased cases, not to mention that we had massive protests um, all over the place that caused increased cases too. And we know that because these new cases were primarily younger people, early to mid thirties, 
about the age of the people that were out there throwing bricks through Target and Walmart stores. And so we saw increased numbers because we were locked down early. But where we didn't see these increased numbers were New York. Well, why not? Because New York got hit really hard early. So they recovered. They did not have a so-called second wave. So when California and Arizona and Florida were spiking because they were closed down early, New York was going, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. So we're seeing a level of herd immunity occur now. Herd immunity that you can't readily identify just by measuring antibodies. So there is a percentage of patients, I don't know what the number is, patients, people, that have antibodies, whatever it is, 10% or so, maybe a little higher, 15%. But what we also see, what we believe to be the humoral part of our immunity, known as T-cell immunity, that isn't readily measurable. So there's an argument that we're closer to herd immunity without a vaccination than we ever have been. We're, we may not be that far away from where the majority of us are actually immune and protected. And it may actually be safe for the old folks to come out and play because so many people have gotten this virus um, that there is a level of herd immunity. So I think we'll reach herd immunity without sticking needles in people's arms, but traditionally chemical herd immunity with vaccinations, we're all familiar with like measles, mumps and rubella shots that kids get. And every once in a while, there's an outbreak of measles somewhere and the alarm is raised that we're not vaccinating enough and so forth. Or Disneyland, I think, had a chicken pox or a measles outbreak a couple years back. And of course, then immediately all the pro-vax people came out and said, we need to vaccinate more people. We need to mandate kids to have vaccinations. And then the anti-vaxxers came out, of course, no, I'm not gonna do it and vaccinations are horrible and so forth. And I fit somewhere in between, right? I think vaccinations are perfectly fine as long as there's informed consent. And if they're so good, Let's do a public education campaign to educate people about how good they are. Let's stop shielding vaccine companies from lawsuits and liabilities if they're so good. And uh, let's educate rather than mandate, I think should be the message. Um, not mandating, especially this COVID vaccination is gonna come out. And there's the worry it'll immediately be on the rolls of you can't attend school unless you get a COVID vaccination. Of course, all the military people will have no choice um, because they're in the military. Um, I can imagine colleges will say, you can't come to our school, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing anyways, if you don't get a vaccination. And, and away we go down vaccination mandates uh, once this COVID vaccination hits the market. Who's, who's gonna benefit from it? Well, if it's a truly safe and efficacious vaccination, maybe society will. But who, how will we know? We probably won't know for a few years till enough people will get the vaccination and make sure that they're not getting some unintended side effects, consequences from it that, uh, that we just won't know about. Well, another thing I'd like to address with you is uh, also this mask issue, which seems to be pretty heated. And it seems, you know, when you look at what's really going on in the world, it seems like the smallest thing. But you know, it's like the government moved from when we first started, it was a fear of the virus because there was all these um, people were extrapolating what might happen, right, with the computer model. So you could see it in the beginning, yet there are so many studies that have been studying the effectiveness of masks since for the last since 2009 with influenza. 
and you know there where it's almost overwhelming showing that masks are ineffective you know and we could go on and on Fauci's already said a number of times you know now that now all the tables are turned but what what they've done is they've created the psychology where you're wearing it for other people and now it becomes a psychological contribution and a purpose and a in a sense literally a movement to now where man you don't have a mask there are there's violent opposition and how would you comment on the whole mask issue and relationship to the virus and all that you know the mask hill is not a hill that i want to die on um if somebody wants to wear a mask wear a damn mask um, but if you don't want to wear a mask don't wear a mask i get it where a mask might be helpful if you're in like crowded public transport like if you're on a subway in new york where you're squished together like a sardine Okay, I get that. If you're, if you yourself is at, is at high risk, but you must go out in the population, okay, I get that. Um, but for the average person to wear a mask, not only do I not think it's very effective, I think it gives a false sense of security. So I think there's very limited efficacy of what a mask can do. And certainly stopping a virus particle is not one of them. If you have a mask on and you sneeze, okay, it may prevent that sneeze from getting through the mask. Um, but listen, the main spread of this virus is not because people are wearing or not wearing a mask. It's ill, it's sick patients that are in the public that are spreading this disease. And there's not even a lot of evidence that asymptomatic um, folks spread the disease. So let's define that a little bit. So asymptomatic means without symptoms means I could have the virus, I don't really even know it, I have no symptoms, but somehow I'm able to spread it to other people. I don't think that's much of a thing. That's not the way this virus seems to be spreading. Um, and it's, it's really on the fringes from a protection standpoint that preventing asymptomatic spread with the mask is a thing. It's really the fringes. I mean, the health minister in Sweden came out and said, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna mask our population. Um, the benefit is just so tiny, it doesn't make sense for the government to insist that everybody and their mother wear a mask. So in Sweden, we're not gonna do that. And again, I, don't, I think if you're a store and you wanna mandate, if you're a private business and you wanna mandate somebody wearing a mask, I support that right, your right to do that. I also support my right as a customer not to go there if I don't like your policies. And I do that, for example, when I see these big no guns allowed, right? And you're a Second Amendment person and you have a concealed carry permit and it says no guns allowed. I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. That's a gun-free zone that I'm not going to enter. So a private business, I think, should have a right to do that. I, don't, I wouldn't if I, was, if I was that private business, but they should. But I don't think it's the right of government, a government agency to mandate that the citizens wear a mask. I don't think that's constitutional. And even if it is, which I don't think it is, I don't support the government mandating that. You as an individual citizen, if you want to comply because you believe that wearing a mask is the right thing, have at it. If you wanna go into a store and wear a mask, by all means, but the government mandating it, I think it's wrong. Uh, there's little science to support the masking of a population. Um, I don't support that. And, um, but it's, it's amazing when you see people 
jogging with a mask on, driving in their car by themselves with masks and gloves on. It's like there's just so much, I don't know, we've, we've like lost our liberty mojo in this country, and it's unfortunate. Um, and if you truly believe, as I do, that we have very effective treatment for the early and mild stages of COVID-19, this paranoia that we must mask the population wherever we go just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I will wear a mask if I have to. My wife and I were at Costco over the weekend and they have a mask policy. So yeah, I had a mask on um, just to comply with their, with their rules. Um, I tend not to go out a lot to places that require masks. The nice thing about restaurants, at least they let you, when you sit down, you don't have to wear a mask sitting at the table, right? Although I saw somebody the other day with a mask on, slipping the food under the mask to eat. I'm like, oh, give me a break. And then some of these homemade masks, just if you believe that a mask works, um, fine. But if you do believe that, at least wear it correctly. This nonsense of wearing the mask below your nose, Forget about it. Every time you touch the mask, you've rendered that mask completely useless. You've now put what's ever on your fingers on the outside of the mask, not to mention the potential harm of wearing a mask, the decrease in oxygenation if you're somebody with asthma or allergies or COPD, putting a mask on is problematic and all the crap that builds up on the inside of the mask. Listen, wear a mask if you want to wear a mask, but leave the rest of us alone because I don't think masks are very effective. And it's just creating more stress in this country and more fear that is completely unnecessary. Well, I would agree a thousand percent. <laughs> so here's, the, here's, I think, the proper place for a mask. You can see my friend, Mr. Boney, behind me. Yeah. Uh, that's about the, I think, most important place that that mask got to be. Well, there you go. And that says it all. So, <laughs> so I, I do want to put this out to the public real quick. So I have a statement from the World Health Organization I just want to put this on the record. Uh, this is from the head of the World Health Organization. Uh, her name is uh, Dr. Marla Van. I can't pronounce the last name. She's a technical lead and an infectious disease epidemiologist. Uh, she said, for patients who are truly asymptomatic, um, there is not a find, there's no finding that secondary transmission onward occurs. It's, as she says, onward transmission is very rare. And that's from right. the World Health Organization. Yeah, no, she said that right before she changed her mind. Okay. And so even, even our own Dr. Fauci said masks aren't really a thing right before he changed his mind. And same thing with the CDC and, and uh, what's the guy's name? The Surgeon General, Jerome, I can't remember his last name. So he said eh, masks aren't really a thing until he said, just kidding, you better put a mask on. So listen, the masks have been studied for a while. There's a study, I can't remember, I, I posted on this, oh, maybe five or eight or 10 years ago that looked at mask use during influenza season and the common cold. And the conclusion was definitive that they don't really help much in the spread of influenza or the common cold. And there really hasn't been any studies specific to COVID. I mean, how would they do such studies? I don't know but there aren't any studies. They're all anecdotal evidence to look at this society that has masks, this society that doesn't look at their numbers, draw some conclusion. So it's the same, it's the same anecdotal evidence that they use to support mask use that they use to say, 
hydroxychloroquine doesn't work because all the studies that show that they do are anecdotal. So pick your anecdotal poison. They either, it's either okay to use or it isn't okay to use. You can't, you can't say it's okay for masks, but it's not okay for hydroxychloroquine. So I don't think there's really much evidence for mask use, um, except a few specific instances. And I'm always asked about this. Well, if masks aren't good, why do surgeons wear masks? Like, okay, let's break this down. So the reason why a surgeon wears a mask is not to prevent the viral transmission from either the surgeon to the patient or the patient to the surgeon. The reason why a surgeon wears a mask is because he must talk during surgery or she. So if you've ever been in surgery, maybe you guys have. As a resident, I was, and I didn't like it because you're on your feet for too long and my feet used to hurt. But sometimes surgeries can last three, four, five, eight hours. And you're standing over a patient, open wound, let's say it's their abdomen, and you got to talk. You're talking to the nurses, the other doctors, the anesthesiologist. And when you're talking, it's natural to have a little spittle come out of your mouth. So you don't want your spittle with whatever it is that's in your mouth, bacteria and whatever you had for lunch, into the patient. So that's why a surgeon wears a mask. And maybe even more importantly, if you've ever been in surgery, you're cutting and doing this, that, and the other, and then you're suctioning and irrigating. So you have saline through like a tube and you're washing out the wound fairly aggressively and it's spraying, right? So if you didn't have a mask on, you'd have little bits of tissue in your mouth. And by the way, if it's a surgery of any length, it's pretty common that you'll change your mask several times during surgery. It's all sterile, you have sterile gloves on, sterile mask on, a head covering, glasses on, and you'll step away from the operating theater a nurse will come over, they'll take the mask off because it's full of crap, you'll put a new sterile mask on, you might even change your gloves, um, and then you step back into the operating theater. So that's the purpose of a surgical mask, not to prevent the transmission of a viral infection, it's to protect the doctor from eating tissue, and it's to protect the patient from having your lunch in spittle and bacteria and whatever's in your mouth, in the middle of a wound so you don't infect the wound has nothing to do with a viral infection. And by the way, doctors that are working in the intensive care unit, nurses and doctors and staff treating COVID patients, they mask up with special equipment. So they have N95 masks, but not just an N95 mask. That N95 mask is specially fitted to them. They come in a variety of sizes. So you're fit to the N95 mask for your face. And you wear that thing for 15 minutes. You go into the ICU, you do your thing, you treat the patient, you come out, you rip that thing off because you can't breathe and you throw it in the trash, along with a gown and a, and a beanie hat to protect yourself from protective goggles. So you've got all this personal protective equipment that's specifically fitted to you. Um, and then you get rid of it. You wear it for 15 minutes and you get rid of it. So, you know, everybody that I see, they reuse their masks multiple times. They take it off, they put it on. They take it off, they put it on. They scratch their nose. I'm at Costco, like I said the other day, we run into a friend of ours, hard to even recognize with a mask on, but you know, hey, what's going on? Her name was Jill. Hey, Jill, what's going on? She's got a super cool homemade mask with like Hawaiian print on it. I'm like, hey, that's kind of cool looking, you know? She goes, yeah, yeah, but I hate it. It's 
all hot and she's scratching her face. She pulls it down. She goes, oh man, it itches my nose. So what has she just done? She just, I mean, can you imagine a surgeon doing that? Well, sometimes we actually do. You get a bad itch and you go, oh, then you step away and you got to change your gloves and your mask and put everything on and you go back in. But anytime you touch the mask, ideally what you would then do, you'd take the damn mask off, put it in a pocket, you'd go home, you'd wash it, you'd put a fresh mask on carefully. Nobody does that. I mean, <clears throat> here I carry this surgical mask around with me. I've been wearing it all day today. And the reason why is because um, um, I work in an office whose uh, employees are, they're employed by a hospital and the hospital has specific procedures of wearing masks. So because my staff is required to abide, I don't want them to feel bad. And occasionally we have patients that are a little nervous about it too. So out of respect to them, I will put a mask on walking down the hall or if I go outside as a courtesy and respect to others, I do that. And so, you know, I put this thing on two, three, four times a day, but I'm touching it. It goes in my pocket. It goes out of my pocket. I'm scratching my nose. The ability of this thing to offer protection to me from others or from me to others, it's, I mean, you know, you could, you could barely do the math to see what level of protection it offers. There are far more important things like just wash your hands really good. Like wash your hands when you use the bathroom. How about we start there, right? So they do these studies. I don't know, you hear them listed sometimes. It's like a, what's that guy's name on Fox, kind of man on the street um, that used to be on O'Reilly. What's his name? Jesse Waters, right? Man on the street kind of thing. Anyways, so they do these studies and you, you look at people, mostly guys, women are better than this than guys. They go in and use even a public restroom and they come out and they haven't washed their hands. And it's like, I don't know what the numbers are, like 50% or something. So you could start with just washing your hands when you use a restroom. If we all did that, we'd probably reduce infection by some astronomical percentage. So washing your hands, good hygiene. If you're sick, be careful, stay away, get tested. We just did some basic things like that. We'd probably be fine. But this obsession about an, a, a protective device that offers such little protection, I think it's crazy. But there's so much controversy about it that I, I've kind of stopped talking about it. It's not a hill I want to die on. If you want me to wear a mask to go into Costco, I'll wear a mask. I'm not going to argue with you or I won't go to Costco. I'll wear the darn mask when I fly on Southwest. They require that. I try to sit on the, on the window seat so I can you know, turn and take my mask off. I hate those things. and I know it's really not offering any benefit until you get the stink eye from some passenger that has, and I saw this, I want to take a picture of him when my wife flew a couple weeks ago. He's got the N95 mask on, but wait, that's not enough. He's got gloves on. Then he's got goggles on like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, uh, basketball goggles. And then he's got the face shield. I'm like, Oh my gosh, if you're that worried, why don't you just drive instead of hopping on an airplane? And of course, I see him glancing at me because I'm in the corner trying to breathe with my mask off and he's sitting there with the full on, you know, space suit. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? It's crazy. I have a better one real quick. I was coming to my parking lot, I'm in Irvine, and um, this person works in the office building he has his mask down to his throat, 
because apparently he doesn't want to touch the cigarette. He has the plastic fork in the cigarette. He's smoking the cigarette and then putting the mask on with the other people walking around, pulls it down and smokes a cigarette. Love <laughs> it. It's craziness. It it's is like the funny, it's the funny meme I saw. You guys have probably seen this. It's this morbidly obese person sitting in a wheelchair with some horrible fast food. And the caption is, you know, you not wearing a mask is killing me. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. That's it's, just, awesome. it's just crazy. And I saw that, I saw that piece of the folks that were over in front of Mother's Market in Costa Mesa, Lee Dundas, who's an attorney friend of mine, and she went on a rant on social media, and rightfully so, that as I understand it, some folks went into Mother's Market without a mask. The Mother's Market people got so pissed off that they locked the people into Mother's Market and then called the police. And this is, um, and um, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say this, but I will. This is uh, Katrina Foley, who's the mayor of, uh, of Costa Mesa, uh, who's a woman of the far left. It's her and her city council's policy to require the police. Of course, remember that in most cities, the Costa Mesa Police Department is their own police department. And they're under the umbrella of the city council who funds them and, and, uh, and oversees them. So they have required the Costa Mesa Police Department as if they don't have enough things to worry about to enforce their mask policy. So Mother's Market locks the store. Uh, the people, the unmasked customers can't get out until the police get there and the police start arresting people, which is ridiculous. And uh, I think Lee is gonna be involved in probably some sort of lawsuit against the city council and the like. Um, so it's just, it's, it's nuts. So we try not to shop in Costa Mesa because of it. Cause I, I just don't want to be bothered with their stupid shenanigans, um, in requiring the police department to enforce mass policy. I know the, the, um, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Sheriff Barnes is a great guy. He basically said, listen, you know, my deputies have so many things going on right now that they're worried about that are far more important than whether somebody is wearing or not wearing a mask. So we, we're not gonna be the mass police. It's not to say he doesn't believe people should be wearing masks or following the law, he does. He just said from a resource standpoint, we've got far more important things than to worry about whether somebody's wearing or not wearing a mask. And I think that's the right approach from a, from a police department standpoint. Yeah, and the woman that they, one of the women they actually took to jail has pretty severe asthma and her inhaler was taken away and it was a problem the 22 hours she did spend in jail because they wouldn't give her any medical help, which would be a medical exemption, which is California Civil Code, Civil Rights Act 51B, right? That's another whole whole issue with a medical exemption. So exactly. Anyway, um, any final words? I just really appreciate you being on our podcast, uh, Dr. Barkey, your wealth of information. Great to talk to you. It's you're very conversational yet super brilliant and um thank you because people need to again get rid of some fear learn some truth and uh let's get our liberties back yeah totally agree if uh if your viewers want more information uh rxforliberty.com is my website and as a matter of fact i have a book coming out it should be out later this week or early next week uh that's all about COVID 19 and fear and uh I don't know, maybe in a couple of weeks we can get back together and I can tell you a little bit about the book. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think to those that believe what I believe and want more information and 
some armament, if you will, to understand, to be able to push back on some of the nonsense. I think it's, uh, it's filled with some really good information. Let's have that website once more and we'll put it on, on this podcast. Uh, rxforliberty.com, rx4forliberty.com. And I do appreciate how you can communicate total insanity in such an inviting way. (laughs) Well, thank you. I I try. It's an insane world right now. I hope things get better. And I hope patriots and and, uh, and right-thinking people will stop being silent and will stand up for their rights uh, because they're slipping away. These rights are not just ingrained in stone. You know, we got to fight for them every generation. And, uh, and, and uh, the America we know is, is in jeopardy right now. Yes. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank Hang you. on a second. Hang on. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resurrecting Our Freedom. If you also believe in upholding our constitutional freedoms, please like, subscribe, and follow us.